What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode. In this one, we got quite a bit to go over, but it's all about reading. It's about for those people who are trying to get into reading, and we're going to go over a few things. Number one, what's the science? Like, why why should we read? You know, I, I was someone in the past that thought that you could just get all your education from movies, from documentaries. So so what's the why? What's the science behind it? What are what are we benefiting by reading? Number two, some anecdotal, some in, some advice based on experience and some educating myself of tips of how to read more that I've learned over the years. And then lastly, I got a stack of books next to me. They all have a common theme about them of some books that you can get started more like kind of gateway drug books that will get you in to the modal of reading. So let's get started with the science. I'm going to knock one out of the way right now. Just because you read more doesn't mean you're smarter. Smart, being smart, being intelligent is... It's so subjective. Like, what do you mean? Like, in what kind of realm are you that you think that because you read more is smart? It's a snobby way to think about it that just because people read means they're smarter. I mean, if you read a bunch of fiction books, read a bunch of Harry Potter, no offense to the entertainment of Harry Potter, I don't know how much it's adding really to your education and your advancement of being intelligent. But let's look at what science says, or at least what studies have shown, of does it make you smarter? The short of it is, again, like I said, absolutely not. And this coming from a journal article published in uh, National Institute of Health, you can find, quoted right here in the highlighted area, it doesn't make anyone smarter. The data reported herein appear to indicate that these theorists could be well wrong in this conclusion. If smarter means having a larger vocabulary and more world knowledge in addition to the abstract reasoning skills encompassed within the concept of intelligence, as it does in most layman's definitions, reading may make people smarter. Uh, it's just, it's not, I mean, makes you more intelligent in the realm of advanced vocabulary and exercising cognitive skills. Sure. But it just, just because you read more doesn't make you smarter. But so why do it? Why do it? The main thing that I'm seeing as a theme in a number of these different studies that I have pulled up is not that one. We just went over that one is reading books may add years to your life. This is a very short, succinct article from Harvard Med that's a research study, the records of 5,635 participants in the health and retirement study, and they found that people who read books regularly had a 20% lower risk of dying over the next 12 years compared with people who weren't readers or who read periodicals. So even just reading periodicals wasn't really helping. It's all about exercising that muscle of our brain. We see a lot of things on Instagram of people in the gym, working out, runners. A lot of things are related to physical activity, but we got to remember that the brain is so important that we need to exercise it as much as possible, whether it's through puzzles or any other cognitive exercise, including reading. So that's why we do it. Reduction of 20% mortality. And that's what it says here. Um, that's actually a different one. The survival advantage of reading books. Here, compared to non-book readers, book readers had a four-month survival advantage at the point of 80% survival. Book readers also experienced a 20% reduction in risk of mortality over the 12 years of follow-up compared to non-book readers. Just a reiteration, um, this is a Journal of Innovative Aging um, in 2017. So that's why we're doing it. We're trying to live longer. Um, 
so okay, what should we read? And does it help us to read fiction? I was someone who never read fiction in the past until I listened to a podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson in which he was, he was talking about why read fiction. So when you read nonfiction, which is going to be anything historical, anything factual, anything real life, you are reading and adapting to a certain set of rules. It's, it's very finite in the elements of what the words you're reading is applied to. So if you're reading a world war II history book, you're really interpreting and imagining the things in the world war II realm. Now, when you're reading fiction, on the other hand, you're broadly applying any set of morality or lessons learned within the books. And that is what's really like religion, for example, religious text. It's this application of a broad set of rules that you can apply and your brain can interpret any which way. And you'll see that in this article that I have pulled up. That's here's a nice little summary, nice little one or two lines by allowing us to recognize similarities between ourselves and what is other reading fiction has been found to ameliorate prejudice perceptions, enabling us to metaphorically walk a mile in the character's shoes can transform judgment into understanding. So a more, a better way, I guess, of what I just said, you see this, the uh, British journal of general practice. So learning, venturing into it, I'm always testing myself, seeing how I'm wrong in different ways. I started introducing fiction, and it really has sparked my creative bubble, my imagination in different ways. Now, lastly, let's talk about the difference of how our brain works. And there's this article of when we watch something versus when we read it. This published in the, a journal at Kansas State is reading the same as viewing. The long and short of it is it it says that our brain just works differently. The less our brain has to create, I guess, is a good way to put it, the less it'll do, the less functioning it'll do. So even if you're like watching something and having subtitles, you're, you're, you have visual cues that make up whatever it is that you're trying to interpret. So even if you're reading subtitles, you it has it's less to interpret if you understand what I'm saying. I guess a good analogy would be like the, the fact like picture books for children, they don't have like the brain capacity to formulate, you know, with words, interpreting words into visuals within their mind. So in order to help, they aid with pictures and then words. And as they get better and their brain develops more then they switch to books without pictures, that's kind of what we're seeing here. So, Reading is because your brain needs to work more, and that's how it helps aid in the development and the maintaining of cognitive function, which, again, relates to the reduction of mortality. And lastly, I did have one more thing here, I believe. Reading around ancient fire. Maybe not. I thought there was one more thing. Okay, so that's the science. The long short of it. Oh, you know what? There was one thing. Um, here it is. Okay. So I used to use a Kindle versus reading actual physical paper. And my hypothesis, at least through experience and through myself that I learned in law school, like I, I would get like a PDF and I would print it off cause I just felt better. And it seems like I was retaining more on top of, of course I could just make notes, but it appears that some of the science is showing 
In order to evaluate the extent of reading modality on a comprehension, a group of 72 10th graders were asked to read two texts in print and in PDF on a computer screen. The multiple regression analysis, yada, yada, the, the analysis showed, uh, indicated that the students who read text in print scored significantly better on the reading comprehension test than students who read the text digitally, which is really interesting. Like I, I used to read when I started getting into reading mostly on Kindle. But then I, I just felt like I wasn't retaining as much. And that's why I switched to books. Books, of course, more expensive, take up more room, moving these damn things. The, the, my book collection is always a problem. They're like, what's in this box? Is it bricks? It's always books. And they cost more. Cost related to books to me, I always relate it to like the cost of tuition of learning. The amount of entertainment I get out of it is much more than I think the cost that a book is. Plus, I keep them and I have a library for my friends, but that's besides the point. So that does help me, and I feel like I do retain more, and I just love the tactile feel of a book to begin with, so that's just a preference. Any which way, as long as you're reading, that's what we're trying to get to, and then you can experience on yourself to see if this is something that applies to you. 72, kind of a short sample size of people, but I did find that interesting um, that I came across that when I was researching things. All right, so... Now we know the science, again, it's to have better cognitive function and work out our brain, just like any other muscle in our body. My advice, we're going to get to my, through my experience, uh, a few things. Don't force yourself to read things that you don't want to read. Even if you pick it up, you start reading it, you stop, move along, pace yourself. Don't set any sort of expectations on page numbers for yourself. Like, I think that's just doomed to failure. And really, you should be reading for comprehension, not for getting the task over with. You got to really want to do it and then read for enjoyment. I mean, that's what you got to do. And read whatever the hell you want. Don't read something because someone told you to. Go find whatever it is that you want to read and do it. Now, I am going to suggest some books because we're going to start small. I don't want you to go pick up a book like Empire of the Summer Moon by S.C. Gwynn that is just so dense that it takes forever to read. Even for someone that has read very religiously for the past seven years and slowly, like I have a book uh, goal for 36 books this year, a very fast uh, reading pace, much better comprehending. Again, this is seven years of practice of doing this. That book is a tough read. It's fantastic, runner-up for the Pulitzer Prize, but man, it is tough. So we're not talking about books like that. The books I'm going to suggest, not saying they have to read them, are entertaining. They are short. They're very short, and the text is pretty large. Not to say these books are any worse than any other book, like the book I'm holding right now is Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell. They're fantastic. I'm just saying these are books that it took me, except for exception of some of these that I'll talk about. These are books that took me less than one week to read myself. Like actually, I think one of them maybe took me four days, but for the most part, probably two to three days to read some of these. So these are good starter books and they're amazing books. We got fiction, we got nonfiction, we got life books, we've got books to improve upon work. So I'll put a link in the description for any all the any of these, and let's talk about the first one. Now, for some reason, I couldn't find Ready Player One, but I mean, Ready Player Two is um, easily available in my Kindle library. I'm I'm recommending both of these. Yes, I'm going to be a snob right now and say that Ready Player One, the book, 
kicks the movie's ass. I'm not even joking. It's not even close. And that's to tell you how good the book is because I loved the movie. Now, the reason being is copyright, licensing, trademarks. Player One and even Player Two has so many vast media properties in them that I, I, when I read Ready Player One and saw they were making a movie, my background's in intellectual property, I was like, there's no way in hell that they're going to make this and they need to adapt it. I'm assuming all the properties, um, the different media properties you saw in Ready Player One, the movie, are probably from a single studio. I haven't looked into it. And that way they could do like licensing, maybe two studios that way. But the storyline, it does go more in depth and detail. And that's why books tend to be better than the movies. Also, because of this fiction in your brain and the way it works, you can interpret and create the world the way you want. Um, I think that also adds in the fact that why books are generally better than the movies. But for the most part, like it, it's just, it's so good. It took me two days to read it. Ready player two took me probably three days to read it. And they definitely can't make ready player two. It, it's crazy how much more vast the universe that Ernest Klein created in ready player two is to ready player one. I, want to find some time to probably reread it because it's so good. Maybe if there's a movie coming out, I'll reread it. Um, those are my first two. Like out of even, out, it doesn't matter if it's fiction or nonfiction. I'm going to recommend those because they're so entertaining to the point where for the most part, I don't think most people could probably put it down. A secondary to that, uh, as far as fiction goes, would be The Martian. That was another book I had digitally. Um, and of course, they made the movie. And then also Andy Weir's third novel. He has another one called Artemis. I haven't personally read, but I heard it's not as good as this one, Project Hail Mary. Um, this is the thickest book that I'm going to recommend in here. Uh, it is over 450 pages long. Of course, I mean, the text is much larger. Maybe a little daunting. Um, I would say this would probably be a next step after a book like Ready Player One and Two, but it, it, it's incredibly fantastic. The narrative flows very well, and the very unique thing that Andy Weir does that I absolutely love and always thought was a great idea, and I'm trying because I'm writing, trying to write my own book, is insert actual science to help aid in the development of the plot. I think that is... Such a smart idea of being entertained and learning at the same time. So Project Hail Mary, The Martian, a couple of good books. And The Martian is written in a diary format, so that also helps in being able to really segment your progress of uh, advancing and reading the book and finishing it. All right, next, let's move to the nonfiction. If you are someone who likes and is a resolution to be better in, uh, in the more professional realm, then we're going to talk about this book, Rework. Where I got this book was from an article, I can't remember where it was published, of Mark Cuban stating that if he had to choose between someone with an MBA or someone that read Rework, he would choose someone that read Rework. I've heard him repeat it numerous times, and this book is incredibly short. This book probably took me a couple days to read, and I've actually read it three times. And you can see here, just as an example, like here's just one section. It's two pages, large font, um, not a lengthy read, but the amount of advice, uh, progression, skills that you can learn from this book in a short amount of time is incredible. I recommend this as one of the top business books just to read in general that I have. This book sits right behind me on my shelf as one of my favorite books of all time. So rework is definitely one that you should read if you're trying to help develop your professional life. hundred percent. Next book 
surprising book for myself. Green Lights. I'm not going to say I'm a diehard Matthew McConaughey fan by any which way, but this book, number one, New York Times bestseller, kept appearing over and over in different reading lists that I, I kept seeing and I kept seeing people praise it. And I was like, you know what? If enough people are going to praise it, I got to give it a shot. So I bought it and I was so surprised. I actually read this on a round trip flight um, from Austin to Phoenix. Half of it one way, half of it the other. Part of it sitting in the airport, of course. Um, but that's how fast. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that if you've ever seen a Matthew McConaughey movie, you know how he speaks. That's kind of the voice that gets implanted in your head, which also helps the speed of reading, I think, because he writes the way he speaks, gets in your head, it flows very well, and he, as an entertainer, is such an incredible storyteller that it makes the book super interesting. It's not so much personally about his life, like, I, you know, learning about where he went to, he went to University of Texas, living in Austin, uh, marrying his wife. It's, it's not so much about that. I think the underlying substance of it is um, a lot of the lessons he learned along the way and that's why I think this book is so good. And plus his motto, green lights. I'm not going to do any spoilers. This is something you have to read um, yourself and enjoy. I did hear that the audible of this is very good. So maybe if this is something you're going to read audible, again, audible is not going to give you the same cognitive exercises as reading the print yourself, but just, this is a good one. I highly recommend this one short, fast, amazing. And this is actually my second copy. I bought it and gave it to someone else. Um, this is kind of just a general one. Malcolm Gladwell. This is the only copy I have on hand. Again, I've given other books away just to people because I love spreading and helping people who want to read. Um, Outliers is my favorite book by Malcolm Gladwell. That's the one that you've heard like 10,000 hours become an expert kind of thing. But this is his newest book, Bomber Mafia. Took me four, three or four days to finish this one. Uh, incredible story. But just any Malcolm Gladwell book in general, very short, but dense with information. And there's no fat in these kind of books. Like I think these books um, are so well written. Malcolm Gladwell is... A great storyteller, uh, a great researcher. Um, th this is just one I have on hand. So it's going to be any book by Malcolm Gladwell that I'm going to recommend. But I would put this probably tier two in terms of as you're learning and you're reading and you're developing your reading skills, maybe move on to something like uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books. But definitely recommend if you just want to jump in feet first. This book, The Daily Stoic. You can't, if you have a goal to read one book this year, this is it. Why? Because on any given day, I finished it last year, you will get a prompt. And I'm revisiting it again because it's so incredible and so amazing that I want to get better and better and learn more and more. So let's look at, um, let's look at January 7th, seven clear functions of the mind. The proper work of the mind is the exercise of choice, refusal, yearning, repulsion, preparation, purpose, and assent. What then can pollute and clog the mind's proper functioning? Nothing but its own corrupt decisions. Let's break down each of those tasks. Choice, to do and think right. Refusal of temptation. Yearning, to be better. Repulsion of negativity, of bad influences, of what isn't true. 
preparation for what lies ahead or whatever may happen, purpose, our guiding principle and highest priority, assent to be free of deception about what's inside and outside our control and be ready to accept the latter. This is what the mind is here to do. We must make sure that it does and see everything else as pollution or corruption. Boom. We just read a page of a very long book. And then tomorrow you turn the page and you read another, you bookmark it. I keep this book on my desk at all times. And this is how I start my day. I read the Daily Stoic. I think about the prompt. Sometimes it makes its way into my journal. There actually is a companion journal, I believe, that Ryan Holiday put together to help you with that. Uh, but I just take it. Um, and it's actually been a gateway to more Marcus Aurelius stuff because there's Epictetus, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius quotes in here, followed by the prompt created by Ryan Holiday. Something to think about. And by the end of the year, you read a single page a day, boom, you're done, and you are full of amazing wisdom by some very wise historical individuals. There's also another anthological, and by anthological, I mean you can read any which way. There's no really connection between the different parts of a book, so you can pick it up and put it down. Um, And that is a book that I've had and given away. Um, I can't remember who I actually gave it away to. It's this book. Why Do Men Have Nipples? This is one of the most interesting books that I've ever owned. It is Why Do Men Have Nipples? Hundreds of questions you'd only ask a doctor after your third martini. So it has the question, like why is poop brown, for example, and then it has a prompt of explaining exactly what that is. And full disclosure, I used to keep this on the back of my toilet, and I used to read a page, and this was was pre-law school uh, that I used to do this, and I would be like, I just finished a book. So that is such, and I actually think, actually, let me look. I think Mark Liner actually has other books. The Last Orgy of the Divine Hermit, what? Gone with the Wind, Gone with the Mind. Um, Ooh, there's actually a follow-up that I'll probably buy. Why do men fall asleep after sex? Yeah, actually, you know, I'm going to add that to my cart after this, actually. Um, But very, being entertained, being interesting, um, those are the things about books that keep you gravitating and keep you yearning for more. And again, it's, it starts small, start with these, like these kind of books that I've suggested. And if you can find your own, by all means, go ahead. These are just ones that I think are incredibly fascinating. Amazing. A lot of them are New York times bestsellers, but people that want to pick up like a big thick book, like um, Steve jobs that I have behind me. Why? Like if you're going to go run a marathon, you're not going to go run 13.1. We can do, you're going to go maybe run half a mile, then a mile, and then slowly like uh, graduate into longer distances. And that's the way you should think about any sort of skill that you're introducing into your daily life. Just like reading, let's start small, get a few wins. Is there anything better than crossing things off your list? Like even still, like if I'm going to read a number like my goal is 36 books this year. They're not all going to be super thick books. They're all going to be incredible books, but they're all going to be a varying length, just like some of these that I read last year. So hope you enjoyed that one. Any questions you have, leave in the comments, share some awesome books that maybe I left off that you would like other people to check out. That would be incredible. And if you want to support the channel, the best thing you could do is hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. And if you want to further do anything, I've got some amazing affiliate links in the description and I just appreciate you guys watching or listening and I will see you in the next one.